Hey everyone, this is part two of our conversation with software engineer Drew Shapiro. If you stumbled onto this episode before hearing part one, I definitely recommend going back and listening to that one first. It will be kind of hard to connect the dots of where we land in this episode without hearing part one first. Anyways, in this part, we continue to analyze the magic of how sound technology works. We continue the meta journey of how my voice is reaching your ears and talk about how digital compression works. We even played a few examples to demonstrate compression, including playing the Bach violin solo of our intro at different bit rates to hear the effect that removing data has on the music. The details of the stuff can get complicated, but if nothing else, it's super fun to appreciate how much knowledge there is in this space and to appreciate the details that go into technology we use every day. Hope you're having a good week and enjoy the episode. I'm sure everyone has heard in when they're on a Skype call or a Zoom call or something and the connection gets bad, you'll hear the voice gets that like choppy. Is that where there's like that is a resolution no change or there's oh when it's choppy, yeah, that's like buffering. So this is uh, another sort of two world thing is like live audio versus recorded audio. There are a lot more difficult hoops to jump through with live audio mm. because the expectations are higher. It's it's why you know, it's still, you still need to be in the same room to play music together for a lot of things, unless you have crazy fast internet and crazy fast. Even then the speed of light is still going to limit you as, as, as when I, you're in um, the Carolinas now, Mm -hmm. we're in New York, like the signal can only get there so fast. Yeah. But I mean, the light travels really fast. (laughs) It does, but not as fast as if we're in the same room. (laughs) Uh, but Audio travels slow, so yeah. I, I think by the time you say something and it gets to her ears, all right. Let's try and clap at the same time, right? <laughs> um, I'm just saying, like, uh, the speed of light is an upper limit for anything. It's not how fast all information is traveling because there's a bunch of paperwork along the way. Right, okay, I'm right, going right. from IPA to IPB. I got to resolve these addresses. I've got to go up and down the stack, like. The reason things are slow is because there's a lot of cruft. There's a lot of making sure things work together. And, and also fact, the information is sent in packets, right? So you're not just hearing like a constant stream of, of, of my digital bits, but but certain discrete packets. Is that So this is when you when you hear that choppiness, that sort of packet stream has been interrupted, so to speak, right? Mm. Things are things on computer work way fast. So much faster then even the audio samples are being produced. If the computer couldn't be faster than the audio samples itself, you would have to wait. You know, there, there'd be yeah. more gaps between the samples because there'd be like processing time or something like that. So right, right, right. really like the, the low level electronics are operating on 2X, 4X times so that they can handle, let's say like force, they could buffer four samples, deal with it and then send them along. And that's sort of packeting, right? Like rather than sending sample, 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 you're saying, let me grab the first 200 samples. Okay, now I'll go send them off. I'll grab the next 200. Yeah. And again, this is sort of a knob that you can tweak in, in different systems to get different performance I to understand. This comparison, is this fair to say? So it's, they said like, imagine you needed to send your grandma a mosaic in the mail. You know what a mosaic is, mm-hmm. right? But if you ship the whole thing at once, it breaks because it's like a giant wall size mosaic. Mm-hmm. So and you probably take break- longer to go because it's got like fragile box. And, and it would like cost that. more because fragile and giant box and all that stuff. So you decide to, 
um, make the mosaic into, you know, 20 different pieces and you send each one in a different package. And then you also send a package that has the assembly instructions. Would that be a, a roughly fair way to say how information, you know, now that we're in our audio is digital, the way that this person hearing this podcast downloaded it was probably in, in some amount of these discrete packets. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. The, the part where you split it up is definitely true. Um, the, the, the motivation of why you do that is very particular to whichever like application you're thinking about. So mm. let's, let's say, uh, wireless, for instance, uh, I'm on stage and I'm playing into a guitar that has no wires and, but it's got a wireless setup so that it's sending those samples to the mixer at the back of house or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's lossy, right? Like the fact that you have a wire means that every sample gets where it's going. Right. But when you have wireless, you basically are doing a best effort and you can drop packets and you can do it because what you care about more is not a hundred percent fidelity. It's like a hundred percent synchronicity. Like you don't want it. Sure. You don't want to hit the cord. And then because you'd rather drop some information and stay in sync than right. Then have that. Yeah. So there, I mean, there right are different we're... guarantees that you want your systems to have. And in the case of the internet, one of the guarantees we want is like, it, tr it treats like all information pretty much equally. There's like no, mm -hmm. there's no fast lane for audio that needs to get there. Uh, very, sure. very fast. You need to use like special network infer, uh, network hubs and stuff like that to have certain quality of service guarantees. Yeah. There, there are a couple different competing standards around. Like, Wasn't uh, that a whole thing with Netflix and Verizon way back <clears> in the day? Um, I, I mean, it's similar in that they want to, that's like more net neutrality side of things. I'm talking about yeah. the technology, like what the technology can actually promise versus mm, uh, okay. you know, just getting preferential treatment. Yeah. Um, so because they, they have ways to get around uh, slow connections, they like lower the resolution and stuff like that. Yeah. If you were doing a, right, right, right. A live <laughs> As we found out with Netflix many times, we were sharing Wi-Fi with our neighbors. And um, and if we're both streaming, you know, or three different streams happening at the same time, all of a sudden the 1080p HD would become, um, you know, 540 or whatever and i'd be like oh, this is unacceptable yeah. i'm streaming video instantly i can still enjoy this show but i know it's bad <laughs> like yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's it's funny uh how spoiled we are now with data like we have so much more access to things and there's just such such high def things that any any regression and we're like uh yeah <laughs> all right so we're in this journey we have this reverse micro, a reverse speaker called a microphone. Right. We've got an analog signal travels into my preamp on the on the mixer, which takes the very subtle si signal um, from the microphone and amplifies it. And if it's a good preamp, it does that without adding too much noise. Right. But there's um, it, there's pretty much a guarantee that it's adding something. Oh, it's definitely there's some hiss, and then in post production, you can sort of find that hiss and get rid of it and and um, do that in the right way or whatever. Yeah, or or maybe then, it's not a hiss. Maybe it's just, it amplifies a certain range of frequencies more than others. Stuff like sure, that. Yeah. Well, I've recorded um, podcasts. I think our last one, the guests fan from their computer went on halfway through. And so I just had to do a noise reduction, like find a sample of it's like a just notch the fan filter, noise. Right. Like you found. Yeah. yeah. 
What, what and part of what the it does is it affects the, the voice a little bit because the same frequencies that you tuck out from the fan noise get removed from the voice. So you find the right amount of reduction where there's still some fan, so it doesn't mess with the voice too much. Um, all right, so it, it now leaves my mixer. Hits still your, in this uh, wire ABC. right here. Yeah. I'm holding up my um, output from the mixer, and it's going into my digital recorder. It's in this device that the the magic of converting analog to digital happens, correct? Right. And analog to digital is like, basically the snapshot analogy is helpful, but what we're measuring is not frequency. We're measuring um, intensity, essentially. Like how, what is the amplitude right now? And we can't, mm -hmm. we can't say anything about the sound until we have several samples and the amplitude is moving and that's what actually is perceived as sound, right? Like mm -hmm. one sample just doesn't really mean anything. It's just a number. And that's right. actually what it gets represented as. So as this continuous curve is happening, you can think about um, putting it on a grid and where it intersects with the vertical lines on a grid, you're going to like write down what is the, what is the Y value mm. for this X and the next one and the next one. And that literally is like writing down a number. So you take that like constantly detailed curvy analog line and you take snapshots of, of points That's right. that would roughly correlate to, okay. Right. And now there's like many ways we can go in the opposite direction, but we're not there yet. Um, <laughs> but so now we're you, still just on my SD card in this little digital recorder, not quite out coming out of your headphones yet. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Dear listener. <laughs> but, it, but it's a mirror. So you'll, you'll, it'll sound very familiar once we go on that part of the journey. Um, by the time it's in the digital realm, you can do a lot of things with it, right? Uh, you don't have to be streaming this live. Like one, mm -hmm. one thing that's happening is that some of those samples, again, numbers that represent where in the curve we are, um, some of those numbers are being written to disk or SD card. Some of those are going basically over the internet to my computer where it's not going to an SD card, but going to my speak to my headphones. Same thing's happening on your side too. Or you could call your headphones a reverse microphone. Indeed, I got two of them. <laughs> so that's that's the funny thing, right? Like, is a, a microphone is going to be a mono signal in, in most cases. Um, I don't know too many stereo vocal setups, but uh, I wouldn't even know them though. I'm not in a professional audio engineer, but uh -huh. I you'd have multiple channels for maybe multiple singers. Uh, you know, in drums, you'd have multiple channels for different. Uh, drums, bass drum, tom drum, that sort of stuff. Yeah. But there's this sort of mixing that happens. So there's, there's, it's helpful to draw these things out, right? As a signal chain of all these different lines and it comes from here and it goes from there. And at this transfer, there's, there's amplification and over here it goes from analog to digital. Um, but what's cool is that that's not just, that's not the only chain that's happening, right? You have a second microphone there. I have a microphone here. So, yep. This is where mixing comes in, essentially, what I was calling superposition before. We're, we're, we're taking these multiple sources, and once they're in the same domain, this like digital samples, we can add them together, and we can hear them. Like This is the magic part. Yeah. It's just like, okay, you add these things together, and yet we can still separate them out in our brains. Like it, Audio is, is, is nice like that. You can superimpose. So... Uh, now you're in the computer. It's there's stuff going over the internet. There's stuff going back to your headphones. We'll just we'll talk about your side, right? Yeah. So, what software are you running right now? Is there anything 
in the loop or is it just uh nope so i'm recording straight into this digital recorder just okay. me uh, or you know just our mix and then um, i'm also recording zoom um, like just as a backup and you're recording your side and i'll stitch those together later but let's take just our side it's a wave file on this device when we finish the podcast mm -hmm. now i go in i edit everything together and I compress that WAV file into something everyone's heard of but might not understand what it is, something called an MP3. And essentially, when I convert it to an MP3, even on nice headphones, it sounds about the same. Mm -hmm. um, I think let's start with playing those examples uh, real quick. Of uh, So basically, I recorded two samples of um, a WAV file uncompressed of me speaking, and then I compressed it to be like a phone call, so I took out a bunch of frequencies except a narrow band. So let's start with those ones, and then I also did a similar thing with um, Yanka's violin playing, so let's see here. All right, so this is my uncompressed voice. This is an example of what my voice sounds like without compression, or rather with just MP3 compression, no frequency removal. And so I, I said the last part because by the time our audience hears this, it will be compressed to be an MP3. Um, so something is happening. But um, what I did in the second one is I went into the frequency bands and I, I put everything below 500 um, vibrations per second or hertz to zero. And then everything above 2000 to zero, which is like what older phone calls used to sound it, like. And this is, not, recognize this is not compression. But What is this then? This is just attenuating different bands of the frequency spectrum. But didn't I get rid of some information? You did, but that's not compression. That's so. So so compression. Was, I didn't mean compression in terms of like lowering loud stuff. I just meant like um, a way to to make a file size smaller without ruining the meaningful information in it. So I don't actually know if that makes the file smaller. Um, the MP3 at the end might be smaller, but if you talk about the wave file, which is sort of the raw audio samples. Mm -hmm. When you filter something, you're still going to have the same number of samples because it's like, a, let's say it's a 10 second clip. It's still going to have 10 seconds worth of samples. Oh, I see. So it it's still, still going to put a have data every point sample. Of, yeah. It, yeah, the data is going to be different. Right? It'll just say like the, those frequencies are at zero, which is still data. But here's the funny, funky part of this is like the audio samples know nothing of frequency. You have to basically do what's called a, a Fourier transform. In uh, the audio software does this, it basically takes samples which are in time and amplitude and turns it into something that's in frequency and amplitude. And then you can basically operate like a sculptor. I don't want these frequencies at the bottom here. I don't want these frequencies at the top here. And then what that materializes as is new samples with new values. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In terms of compression, we'll distinguish between audio like loudness compression, uh, which is basically just making sure that the loud stuff is a little softer and the soft stuff is a little louder and you can change the parameters of that. And there's plenty of like plugins to do that sort of stuff. And there's actually many hardware. Uh, yeah, we have one on this too. mixer. So you'll see this red light on my mixer. Well, you won't see it, but um, it goes on. If I start to talk really loud, it attenuates the signal so it doesn't peak too high. Right. And, and so, and I think not all compressors need the, the the lower boost part that I was talking about. But but that is uh, compressing the dynamic range into like a smaller peak to peak sort of thing. So I suppose the the um, digital compression then 
Well, I'll play the the, the phone call example I just, just I so just you can hear to what make happens. Sure we were, we're no, no, you're you're actually right. But then what I did with her Bach, we'll get to that in a second. I guess that would be compression because I made a the smallest MP3 that I could make. Yes, that that is digital compression, space saving information okay. loss. So here is here is my compressed voice where I removed low frequencies and high frequencies. And now this is what my voice sounds like when I remove frequencies below 500 and above 2,000. So obviously you could hear it sounds like, like you have a cold. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, I mean, but here's the cool part. You can still obviously understand everything I said, right? Right. So that's some of the, the subtlety. Um, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, in terms of uh, linguistics, no information was lost, right? Right, exactly, yeah. But in terms of the reproduction, yeah, you lost some of the low end, you lost some of the high end. Still want to, you know, disclaimer, that wasn't compression. Okay, so let's let's try this Bach then. So this is what you heard in the beginning of the episode. Okay, and now this is that that was um actually that was an MP3, so it was compressed at like three hundred and something kilobits higher per second. Higher quality MP3. High higher quality. And now we'll listen to the the lower quality. And now I made it as low as Audacity let me. <laughs> Beautiful playing. <laughs> I don't hear a difference. <laughs> really? Yeah, she's uh, like, I hear the same out of tuneness. <laughs> no, she's kidding. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it, it's funny the way that we perceive that because what's happening in the first side by side that you gave us was something that is acoustically significant, right? You were mm -hmm. basically saying, like, these low frequencies I'd like to remove, these high frequencies I'd like to remove. And that that means something. Like you could sort of do that in the physical world too. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the second side-by-side -side where you basically had different, uh, the, the computer is basically being a little bit more frugal in one with the other, right? Like, you are essentially back to that information question, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's I got the same, rid of some information. You got rid of sure. some information and the reproduction suffers for it, right? What's funny though is when I hear it, certainly as a musician, what I hear is like, oh, that was good violin playing, but <clears throat> recorded shitty. You know what I mean? So it still, even at that, that quality, retains a lot of the information. Like in other words, if there was a crappy violin player playing it, you could still hear the difference between quality violin playing. Sure. Just maybe you couldn't hear the difference between two professional violins and the subtlety of like, oh, that's Hilary Hahn and that's James, what's his name? Ennis. Ennis. Um, you might not be able to discreetly separate different violinists of the same quality, but you can still hear generally like in tune or so it's, it's amazing that even at eight kilobits per second, you could still hear some, there's still a lot of information there. In fact, there's eight kilobits per second of information. <laughs> right. Or is there, is that accurate to say? I mean, I, I'm going to, you're let it slide. I'm going to have plausible deniability on any of these uh, statements yeah. about <laughs> information or when there's numbers, I'll be like, oh, maybe, um, but you know, I think what you're getting at is about what, when I lose data, 
how am I still getting information out of it? Or like, yeah, what is, is the lower really limit there? of that? Like, can I keep removing stuff until it's just like, you know, like, right. What, yeah. Where is that line? And I think it's very blurry because it, you could do that same experiment for the voice that you did in the first. Right. And, yeah. and maybe that probably would have been more meaningful, wouldn't it? Like, cause then at some point you wouldn't be able to hear any discrete words. It would just sound like, yeah maybe yeah maybe it just it gives you that that uh you know listening on the other side of a wall effect where you're like okay i'm getting some sort of like impression that it's a voice because it's in that voicey range of frequencies and i Mm -hmm. get the impression maybe that they're talking there's a kid there's There's, a dad there's a mom you know like yeah maybe something like that but like this is the the information that you're trying to get out is very subjective right like Mm -hmm. when you're talking about i can hear it's a good violinist like i am curious like when can you tell the difference between like a computer playing what the violin samples in an order versus like the human playing it and when Mm -hmm. when are those lines blurred you're basically like occluding the image right you're you're getting blurrier and blurrier and blurrier until you're like oh yeah i can kind of see the sound right would i be able to yeah yeah but um yeah i I'm hesitant to say anything about the information that's being lost there. Other than you could compare the wave file to the MP3. You can look at their spectrograms at the same time, maybe. And you could say, Oh, Mm -hmm. look like this whole thing was essentially filtered out. Like, but again, the compression of the data is probably optimized for audio. You know, MP3 compression is different than say like JPEG compression is different than say MP4 compression. Cause these are different domains, images and videos yeah. and audio. Weird enough. The visual is still easier to understand for me, at least intuitively. Like if you say, here's a photograph and now behind me is this fridge and it's white. So we don't need to have the information for every pixel on that fridge. If we know they're all this same color. So they get rid of redundant information, right? Information you don't need because you know, it's the same. I, I guess I imagine that exists for audio. I just never really thought about it like that. You know, you just think of, you play your instrument and you hear the sound in the room and it like the, it, my intuition just kind of fails me when I try to imagine how MP3 compression could work. I could say the words, I guess, maybe sort of like, but it yeah, fails me. I think the, the fact that like it's really over time versus over space is mm-hmm. what makes the difference. So... Right. Yeah. And yeah, the, and the time scale, just like you said before, with the constantly rising frequency, like that's, that was really dependent on the time scale that they increased the frequency and added new ones. And right. so, yeah. So I'm, I'm even thinking about, so uh, away from this analog digital discussion of, you know, when someone plays a sus four at the end of a song and they do not mm-hmm. resolve it, we are all hearing the resolution in our head. Mm-hmm. that's sort of like, I don't need to see every pixel of the, the fridge. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you fill, you fill in the gaps, right? Which is how your perception already works. Like one of the things I wrote in the um, Google doc we were sharing just yesterday, I think I added it was the idea that let's just pretend we're in the same room. So none of this, you know, analog signal, digital internet packets of information, pretend none of that is happening. We're just talking like cavemen, you know, 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, in the same cave, I'm saying sounds with my mouth. Well, first off, I've built a representation of reality with my brain somehow, 
But that's clearly not the full information of reality, which is arguably infinite. It's a, it's a snapshot itself. And then over time, I've codified a mouth sound to represent that already representation of reality. Uh -huh. And then I deliver it to you across the cave. And there you are, Caveman Drew, being like, okay, I you know, hear this sound, let's say dog, right? Mm -hmm. And I have an encoded meaning of experiences about what that means. Like a dog is a dog, not a cat. And you have a meaningful difference between dog, cat, and I, I think you know. the caveman would probably have much coarser um, categories like food, yeah. food, not food. <laughs> right. Danger, safe. Yeah. I mean, even, yeah, or, even or maybe they, have, you know, there's a lot of things that you could just, the, the negatives or the absence of maybe there wasn't a, a word for. Maybe there's only a word for danger. And when you're not saying danger, it's, it's safe, you know? So right. I, I think the psychology and like link, the, the language side is so magical. There's two stories <laughs> there, right? There's sort of the generational evolution where like we have a meaningful set of vocabulary. We are teaching each other and it, over many generations, it specializes, it branches, certain branches die, others get merged back together. There was language before there was an alphabet, you know, like then it gets into like, well, yeah, oh, I can communicate without sound. Like that stuff's right. crazy. But then the even crazier story is, so that's like thousands of years of, you know, everybody working together. It's crowdsourced. <laughs> and then a baby can acquire language in like a couple of years. That's right. insane. And, well, and they don't. they don't optimize for that, right? I guess so. Um, I mean, there's there's certainly like things like bird songs and stuff, but it, it's crazy that we are able to acquire language so quickly. And obviously, like we are not done learning ever. Uh, yeah. That mental model keeps on changing, and especially if you learn a different language, it it kind of. I, know, I mean, so of course, babies of are so good at at learning languages because of so many reasons. I can't even begin to articulate because I don't know them. <laughs> but it's kind of funny to think about like, well, what is the language that we're speaking to ourselves in? And like, what is thought devoid of language? Like, are you... It's definitely different. Like, but I notice my thought is like highly visual and somewhat language. But I know some people that are primarily language thinkers. Right. What, what are you, Yanka? Oh, that's a great question. I never thought of it. Let me see. Do you think in Turkish or English? Well, she just said, let me see. So maybe visual. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I think I revealed the answer. I don't know. I mean, I definitely think in Turkish, still, not when I'm talking, but when I'm like thinking my thoughts, mm. I guess. I mean, it's normal. I, I think a little bit in Turkish with a very simple Turkish word. There's a word var, which means there is, mm -hmm. and a word yok, which means th there isn't. Like, no, it doesn't exist, exists. And so sometimes when I'm looking for something at home or wherever, I'll just be like looking, looking, trying to find a rubber band or something, be like, yok. Like it's not here. It does no exist. <laughs> um, I think that's a nice that's just part a of useful short languages is like it's almost like you're given permission to think differently, right? Like, yes. oh, this is another way to see it. Let me let me say it doesn't exist. Yes, it's a different tool set, like a different compression algorithm from reality or something like that. I, I may have said I may have overstepped my. You should stop using the word <laughs> compression. You don't. I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> It does you not should mean check out. It means. You should check out Wikipedia <laughs> compression. There's a disambiguation page, most likely. Yeah, no, I clicked <laughs> on that. Yeah. 
But uh, but it, so, it's I think a better analogy would be like oh you have a different way to write down the numbers right yeah, like we yeah. we talked about over like a plus and minus over zero like hovering around zero maybe there's a different way to think of it or something like that mm-hmm. um, and a different way to so, think about it is the frequency stuff there's like not a microphone that's built to like our, the way our ear works is not the way a microphone works it sort of puts the two things together you yeah. you have Again, I mentioned this a little bit, but there's this thing called a cochlea. It is looks like a snail. It's a it's a long tube that continuously varies, and it has pickups. It's sort of like a guitar pickup, right? There's not one mm-hmm. pickup. There's multiple for each string, except there's not six strings. There's just like a very high number of uh, a continuum of like higher to lower frequencies. And when there's music that is resonating with the, those parts of the cochlea, they shake and those shakes are connected to hairs and those hairs being pulled around. Like we're talking not like hair on your head, but like, like microscopic hairs. hairs. Yeah. Yeah. They transduce the shaking into your, your brain signals essentially. Now question, this might be above your pay grade, but are those brain signals analog? Um, Yeah. Because we're not computers. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a simple answer. So, <laughs> it's definitely not the same thing that's on what, the outside. I guess what I meant it's is a, like, it's a different signal, but it's continuous. It's, uh, electric, okay. it's electrical, it's electrical potential. I guess I meant like because we have like synapses, like, yeah. is there some element of like, um, discreting the signal into bits, but like biological bits? I uh, think of it as like channels or something like that. Like, Again, mm-hmm. the the idea of the cochlea being able to pick up different frequencies means that it's essentially got a specialized, you know, set of hairs over here to yeah. shake when it's low and <clears throat> a different set over here when it's high and continuously throughout that whole thing. Like, but it's kind of funny to think about if you try to make the analogy back to computers about like frequency pickup or something like that, it sort of breaks apart because it yeah. isn't just writing down the number. It's turning into some magic neuroscience yes. stuff. Yeah, the, the the building of perceptions that we we don't just hear the sound waves and go, ha, that, that was a trumpet, but we actually use some of the data from the world and use a lot of the data from our past experiences stored in our brain and stored from our ancestors who evolved these brains and the DNA that encodes them and then build the whole thing can we round us? Can we round it off in in like a a short little bit? So we I've I've edited the podcast. I've compressed the final mix down into a, a 128 kilobits per second MP3. I upload it to our podcast host, and now they've seen it pop up on their podcast player. Right. Um, and it's a bunch of bits, right? It's not. It's sound a bunch yet. of bits. So now this not this is the yet. midpoint. You've you've created your digital representation. Okay. Well, now what happens is the complete opposite, right? And we go from the samples, which are like files in a drawer that need to get read out at a certain speed. <laughs> so mm-hmm. usually you like buffer a couple of those files. Maybe you take take the one, one wave file or the one MP3 and you sort of page it. You, you read some some smaller chunks. Yeah. So that you don't get stuck with like nothing. <laughs> right. It's basically like your computer has short term memory and you don't it's very fast but it's very small. This is, this is the RAM 
Um, and I might be yeah. wrong if you have like fancier audio cards or something like that. But essentially what's happening is you're going through pieces of the file. You're loading up those individual samples. So let's say you have sample one through 44,000, right? The first second mm-hmm. of your music or something. Now, <laughs> That's a lot, a lot of stuff. Right. <laughs> but if you didn't have that many samples, you'd be cutting out a bunch of high frequencies. Yes. So um, you load up the first one, you load up the second one, you load up the third one, fourth one. Let's say there's a certain buffer of, say, eight or something like that samples. Mm-hmm. So you load those eight numbers in. Okay, and then what that's going to be translated into is an electrical signal that moves up and down. Now, this electrical so signal is going back to analog. It's going back to analog. Point? This is the the stage where we hit the DAC, the digital to analog converter. And right. similarly, like this is again uh, a bottleneck in quality. If you don't have a good DAC, everything forward of that is going to be like only as good as the DAC can do. So you've paid for the most expensive like music streaming service to get the highest quality and you have a really shitty digital to um, analog converter or you have really shitty headphones from like 1990 Yeah, anything or along like the that. chain can really just kill the quality, yeah. which is why it's probably more useful to get average performance across the whole chain than to get like yes. one nice thing in the middle of the chain because it you know, doesn't actually make it all the way to your So ear. I love the idea then as a bookend, we've got a reverse speaker known as a microphone capturing my voice right now. It takes its journey, including all the editing part, which is magical as far as I'm concerned, downloads onto the person's phone who's listening to this. Right. It's still digital when it's stored on their phone. It's an MP3 file. Yep. And then something in the phone is it did converts the digital to analog right. it comes out their headphone thing and now that electrical analog signal is converted into the spatial vibrations of the right. reverse microphone also known as a speaker right. or a headphone and you know what what gets us across the sort of electrical to mechanical part magnets Right. That's the other amazing part. Say say a little something about that. So the electrical signal, because electromagnetism, electricity and magnetism are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Um, basically, they are two views of the same like phenomena of like energy. And when you the 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 trick that they do with speakers is essentially have a, a magnet that moves based on the current that goes around it. So you're, you're, you're pushing the magnet out, you're pushing the magnet in. You, you, these are called speaker drivers, uh, more colloquially. Mm-hmm. So um, it is a direct connection. The, again, the mirror of how the microphone works, where you're moving something, that something is somewhat of a magnet, if I understand correctly, or piezoelectric. There are different ways to pick up, essentially. But when you get to the speaker and you know you want a magnet essentially because you're trying to move the cone the the whole surface of the the speaker to reproduce the sound right mm-hmm. if you think about how like your voice box works versus how a speaker works like the voice box is like way more complex there's all these different muscles that are moving back and forth and there, mm-hmm. it's not one big one that just goes you know like <laughs> this so you get some really crazy um you know ways to, I guess, efficiently actuate the sound. But with a speaker, you're essentially just like 
taking the same signal, the analog signal, and running it through a loop with the magnet in the middle and through the magic of magnets, uh, electro, you know. Well, and then maybe some of those, depending on how expensive your headphones or your speakers are, that, that analog signal will discrete maybe some of them to the higher drivers and the lower drivers and the subwoofers, right? Yeah, so essentially big things move, uh, they have inertia, and so it's yeah, harder to move slower. them fast. <laughs> um, and so you have a smaller driver, and you'll see these, like you said, they basically cover different parts of the spectrum. And this is where we get back to like, okay, this is a treatment of the audio that is supposed to be good, subjectively good. Yeah. You, good enough. You could measure things like signal to noise ratio, which is to say, like, given the input, it goes through the whole system, it comes out again. If I put these two things on top of each other, the where they don't meet is noise, right? Yeah. And uh, you can hear that with the sort of lower res, like MP3 versus the, the, the other one, because what's happening is you're like skipping pieces of time or you're skipping essentially amplitude levels. Mm -hmm. This is another thing I wanted to say about the digital to analog conversion is we're, we're essentially trying to reproduce the analog signal that came in at the analog to digital conversion. Right. Yeah. But now we've lost information, right? Once we go into digital, we've, We've discretized, we've lost a sort of resolution both in amplitude, but also resolution in the frequency right. space. Unless we took a sample rate of infinity, right. we we're always going to lose some information. So at some point, again, the, the sort of cost-benefit analysis was like, let's choose this uh, this frequency range or you know, this and sample rate. What you wrote in the, um, in the note, the Google Doc, was kind of something we said about Kodawari and, and musicians and technique and performing and art in general, which is you have to balance Kodawari this, like you're trying to get the best sound out of this podcast, let's say, right? But you're also, you have other parameters and pragmatic, the pragmatism, basically. Yeah. You, you have, you have um, not only technological limitations of like whatever, but if I make the file, the MP3 file too big, I get a slight increase in quality and a big negative of when you hit download, it's going to take way longer to download. Let's say I can make the MP3 five times smaller by making it 128 instead of, you know, right. something way higher. And the, the increase in quality is just not enough. And the pragmatic fact that you can download it in one and a half seconds beats. And, and that's what I go with. And this is like, I think the way I wrote it was, you know, in engineering, or at least in my personal experience, I've been told many times that perfect is the enemy of good enough. Right. And that seems very anti-Kodawari, right? Um, but like, it's a different goal. Like the goal is not to get sucked into every detail. The goal is to really free yourself up from each problem by solving it just enough to move on to the next problem. Right. If you maximize solving every little problem along the way, Let's say you had a problem to solve. Let's say we, well, this would never happen, but podcasts didn't exist. Microphones didn't exist. We had to invent all this stuff that's making mm. this work right now. Just imagine the, the, the amount of problems we would bump into, even just trying to make a microphone, right? <laughs> if we were just building it from scratch. Um, and so you just accept certain imperfections because the the thing you're aiming at, which is making an intelligible voice travel across the internet, 
is the goal. And then each step along the way, you make a compromise. So there, and there's that's a what funny, we do as musicians. There's a funny thing with, uh, you know, this, the technological just wave we're writing where you could compress it and get it to be a smaller file size. Or you could say, you know what, in two years, everyone's going to be on 7G or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're going to be able to download it fast anyway. So I'd rather keep it, you know, I'm not even going to go to MP3. I'm going to just give them the wave file. I'm going to give them yeah. the lossless <laughs> FLAC file. And because... Most podcast hosts that, uh, you know, they, they need MP3 files for that reason, I think. Otherwise, their servers would be filled up real real fast. Right, right. Because <laughs> again, the economics of, of storing it, they, you know, if everyone's using MP3s, they can serve tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of individual podcasts if exactly. everyone was using Flack or whatever, wave files. And then Apple would have to come out with the, you know, like terabyte iPhone 12 or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, 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 so that's the funny thing about uh, everything streaming now is that you're probably using less than a CD amount of, unless you're downloading things offline, you're yeah. not even keeping a CD's amount of music on your phone at any given moment. Right, right. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I definitely do some offline, but it's funny that we have more and more space on the phone yet. Our photos are in the cloud. So they just save a snapshot of like a low res version of the photo on the phone, unless you want the full one. Um, yeah, it's going to be funny how that will affect like um, all these different technology things affect inventions and, and market forces and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, any closing closing thoughts before we uh, lose our minds going meta talking about podcasts on a podcast? Uh, we might already be there. Um, no, I oh, mean, no, I was there on episode three, I think. <laughs> I just think it's uh, pretty cool to you know approach to to set goals high, but it's it's good to be pragmatic and say you know this is good enough. Like yeah, practicing a piece, I'm I'm starting to practice piano again. I'll try to bring it back to music like proper like man do my hands not know what to do and you know my rhythm's yeah. all over the place oh i got to the section b where i know how it goes oh i'll go faster now it's just like nope gotta keep one tempo uh but it's uh, more about the journey than the destination is i think mm -hmm. the 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 real the path is the goal <laughs> right and i heard you guys say that on like episode one or something like that but that, yeah, that yeah, that's yeah. sort of what i'm taking away from this of you know there are pieces of my engineering perspective that really don't mesh well with this idea of just like finding perfection or, you know, approaching it. Sure. But then there are pieces that are about what does the engineering serve, you know, and that is right. the sort of higher goal of like unblock yourself. <laughs> you know, yes, I don't need yes. to play the piano piece that I'm playing called tea time by Wolfpack, uh perfectly. I just need to be playing it well enough that I'm getting better and that I'm mm -hmm. sort of enjoying the time rather than like really hating myself for not being what I can't be immediately. Right, right. Yeah, that's the psychological part. Not only can't you, not only um, shouldn't you try to play it perfectly, you probably can't anytime anyways, even if you were practicing piano eight hours a day for 10 years, right? Like what is perfect anyways? Um, I think what we said basically like you, that's cool your technological engineering version of this is the pragmatic like we have to make a product that does something and so we can't be in production forever infinitely solving all the branching problems i mean i'd love encounter. to but then 
but then what have you done? You haven't made anything then, <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. It's like the person working on their physics theory of everything for too long and then they never, you know, put anything out or something, right? Um, for musicians, it's sort of like we have the deadline of a performance and you, you can't just keep preparing. You have to mm. take what you have and have that, this is good enough. I'm going to allow in the artistic side of like, you know, the randomness of a performance and just just let it happen. Yeah, there's there's this beautiful balance between that perfectionist energy of solving the problem and building your best software or whatever the tool you're building is, an instrument. Even our instruments are giant compromises between lots of things, you know? Mm -hmm. The violin's not a perfect instrument, not especially yours. Oh, God. <laughs> it's too big for her. But man, those F holes really help. Well, like, uh, like Yanka's violin design. is so big for her and it's hard to hit certain things for her small body type but it has such a beautiful sound it's like there's your compromise you know there's a, and and everything on trumpet with like mouthpiece choice it's like you choose certain mouthpieces things get easier but the sound quality gets worse make a bigger mouthpiece you get a nice bold bigger sound quality but playing in the high range is less easy you know everything's just solving one problem creates another and it cascades forever and, and eventually you just got to do it right right yeah <laughs> good good message cool well thanks for coming thanks on thanks for man. having me and talking through this stuff i really have uh, yeah. enjoyed the podcast so far so keep it up awesome sounds good i'm gonna hit stop here and then say goodbye to you off air okay the real goodbye <laughs> bye yanka bye bye <laughs> all right thanks for listening to this episode of exploring kodawari if you enjoyed it we hope you'll consider sharing it on social media and with friends you can also help us out by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Those help us more than you would think. And if you'd like to help us out in a more substantial way, consider going over to our website to make a donation through PayPal. Links are in the episode notes for this. You can do this as a one-time donation or a recurring monthly donation. All of that support will help us to set aside time in order to create content for the podcast and the blog. And finally, please get in touch with us and say hi, either on social media or privately through email. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.